Once again, good morning all. We bless and praise the name of the Lord God Almighty who strengthened us in the journey in the pilgrimage to heaven. We bless him for his faithfulness towards us, his goodness, his mercy, faithfulness that endures forever. Today, the hope of resurrection is the title. The hope of resurrection. Jesus Christ spoke with full assurance and perfect authority about his and others' resurrection, that is, the people he would raise up from the dead. Not only he raised other people from the dead, I don't know what's the right expression, raising from the dead or raising from the grave, English can be very complicated. I don't know the difference between the two, but you see what I mean. Not only he raised other people from the dead, but he also rose up from the dead himself. Sometimes we think rose up from the grave. It's resurrection, not reincarnation. Because the two are incompatible, irreconcilable. You cannot be a Christian and believe in reincarnation. Unfortunately, we are getting invaded. Is resurrection not reincarnation? Let's be very clear on that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to bless you this morning once again. We commit our time together to your hands. Written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. We give you praise and glory, and we rely on the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. We will have three main readings today. First reading, Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 7. Susanna already gave an introduction to this because she read that. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 7. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of, of the Lord Jesus. Verse 4. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is with Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hand of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise. Verse 5 to 6. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. That testimony is the testimony of angels, not men. It's not a fabrication. It's not something clever, you know. A clever story, no. Is the testimony from heaven. 
Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Now, such thing cannot be said about Muhammad, about Buddha, Confucius, Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, Gandhi, Darwin, etc. None of them. Such thing cannot be said. They all rotten in the graves, waiting for the second death and judgment. But we find in literature Jesus Christ being portrayed and brought so low at the same level with those people as a great thinker, you know, moral teacher, things like that, avatar, great guru, etc. No. It's not. The erudites learned people, when they heard Jesus Christ speaking, they said, no man has spoken like that. He spoke before authority, things pertaining to heaven. And then he said, who can convince me of sin? I know the devil is kind, but he has nothing in me. Perfect man! I once asked the Muslim people in a public debate at South Bank University, eight of them. They said, Jesus cannot be God. I say, okay. Suppose, what's your idea of God? What do you expect God to do? But God, they say, God cannot die. I say, but Jesus said he did it himself. I lay myself and I rise up myself. What else? You know, having victory over death, raising people from the dead, that's clinically impossible. Well, coming the storm in the sea, <laughs> conquering, overcoming the laws of gravity by ascending bodily, well, what else? What, can, well, what else? They couldn't. All these people here are the people who are influencing people today. Remember I told you the other day, the seven men who rule the earth from the grave is these people with their, with their theories. And those theories are in competition with the word of God today. Those are the things and the arguments that try to exalt themselves above the word of God. Not in the church of Jesus Christ. Is the word of God or nothing? Amen. There's no room for traditions of men. Now, is the word of God. We all see by the same hymn sheet, the word of God. That is our food, spiritual. <coughs> now, why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ so important? The resurrection of Christ is central to either establishing or disproving Christianity. Many years ago, a French rationalist called Charles Gimbert, a professor of history of Christianity at Sorbonne University and honorary associate in rationalist press. Now, honorary associate of the rational, rationalist press Association of Great Britain. Great thinker, great mind, sound mind, erudite. That man refuted the idea of Christ's resurrection, along with all the miracles claimed in the Bible and by Christians. Nevertheless, he also stated these quotes 
There would have been no Christianity if the belief in the resurrection had not been founded and systematized. Hmm. The story of resurrection had not been founded, invented, and then systematized. Systematized. In scientific method, systematization is what makes science the ability to be able to reproduce something. That's systematization. So they're saying that the story, the history of resurrection has been systematized in order for people just to reproduce it following some guideline and some hypothesis, axioms, etc. That's scientific method. Okay. But this man of great intellect understood and understood and crystallized the whole Christianity around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At least he understand that Christianity stand or fall around the resurrection. At least he understand why Christians themselves begin to, to sympathize with reincarnation now. You know, they begin to because the idea of resurrection is unpopular. It's an old story. You know, reincarnation is trendy now. So why can't we find Lord a bridge in the middle, Lord, a reconciliation to try and look nice and accepted by the society? But this atheist he understood that without resurrection there's no Christianity. So There couldn't possibly be a resurrection without death. In fact, the resurrection is vital because upon the resurrection of Christ, the entirety of Christianity and its claim to truth either stand or fall. In fact, by Christ's death and resurrection we die to sin and we live for God in victory. The Lord's table is set in remembrance of the Lord's death. In fact, he instituted himself. He instituted that. Do this in remembrance of me. And the Bible says, in the same night when he was betrayed. That's how he instituted these emblems here. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And whenever you do this, you proclaim my death until I return. So today we choose to proclaim his death until he returns. The first Holy Supper was instituted by Christ himself. Well, who are you to try and disprove the resurrection? You weren't even there. Why am I saying these things? That your faith be established, rooted, grounded, firmly rooted in Christ. some truth in it, maybe, maybe, maybe. that you be found, built up, strengthened, grounded, built up, established to become immovable and steadfast in Christ. The Christian baptism is also done in identification to Christ's death and resurrection. Death, reason, and the newness of life. It's the power of resurrection that gives us the newness of life, the strength. That's why we pray every day. That's the power of resurrection will be manifest in our life every day. And to holiness, and to newness of life, and to God's glory. 
He is not here. He is risen. He is risen in your life. Are you a living stone for Christ? Or are you living for Christ? A living stone for Christ. Agile like a deer. It's not about age. It's not about physical strength. It's about the Holy Spirit. And the reality. The Bible speaks of the genuineness of faith. I have been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live now, I live in faith in Christ. The Christian new life is lived in the power of resurrection, whereby Christ lives in us by his Holy Spirit. The blessed hope of Christ's return is based on the fact and belief in his resurrection. If we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so, we have to believe that he will bring back those who have sleep, slept in him. The hope of resurrection is based on the belief, the firm belief that Christ died and rose again. Why begin to play a little bit with a reincarnation because we sympathetic with yoga and meditation because it's a package. Then we're in danger. Some skeptics teach that Christ never died. That he was substituted by someone else. I heard some Somewhere, some, some variant of Islam teaching that it was Judah who was substituted because Judah was bad. Jesus was very good. He couldn't be put to death. God just took him. You see, the seduction looks nice. You know, he was just taken, he never died, etc. But how can you preach resurrection if he never died? They are two sides of the same reality. But you see the seduction. Oh, he was a very good man. He couldn't possibly have died. He was just taken by God. He was Judah who was substituted. All those things come into the device. Some other teach that Christ died, but never rose again. However, in the Bible, the two facts are inextricably linked. No death without resurrection and vice versa. In fact, the Bible says, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3 to 7, again, Susanna quoted this this morning. For I have delivered, now she quoted from something else, she quoted toward the end, verse 15, I'm quoting from verse 3. For I have delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sin according to the scriptures, verse 4, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, it was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain at, to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, it was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one all, out of due time. First Corinthians 15, 3, 7. Now, the event we're talking about here, uh, they did not come as a surprise. No. 
These things were prophesied. These things were foretold in the Bible. He died, was buried, rose again, all according to you know Isaiah 53. His grave, his tomb, were among the rich and wicked people. He was bruised for our transgression, etc. All those things, you know, the serpent of brass in the wilderness, you know, that's the crucifixion. Lots of times and shadow about his death and resurrection. All happened according to the scripture so that people can in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, uh, the Bereans were commended because they were more fair-minded, more discerning than the Thessalonians. Why? Because they examined scripture daily to see whether things were so. Which scripture? Not the New Testament. Which scripture? How would they know that, okay, we're teaching Christ's death and resurrection according to the scripture. Which scripture? The Old Testament prophecies. You can preach the gospel from the Old Testament. Yeah. People begin to push that and to make a separation between the two so that they can mislead people. Or take all the prophecies, all the blessings, all the prophecies about Israel and change it in a cunning way and say replacement theology is all for the church. They call that kingdom dominion. In Luke 1, 1 to 4 we read. Luke 1, 1 to 4 we read. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Verse 2. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the world delivered them to us. It seems good to me also. Having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Well, not only the John, Mark, and, and, and Matthew, and all the others who were eyewitnesses, but they were also independent researchers who carefully conducted research to establish these things. This is a commission from a high authority. Luke wouldn't make a mistake. He interviewed, he carefully researched and bring what he called an orderly account of what happened. That your faith must be, might be established. We're not talking about hallucination here. No. In fact, the father of the theory of hallucination when it comes to, to, to resurrection, uh, Anthony Flew, who wrote that theory, said, oh, I think the disciple had hallucination. Toward the end of his life, he came to believe in Christ. Great and sound mind. So you have high witnesses, you have historical facts, and you have carefully and faithfully established accounts. And then you have history. So many non-Christian sources have referred to this greatest unique historical event in the world. Non-Christian sources have referred to this. That's why you have AD and BC, by the way. The Lord himself gave specific details about his death and resurrection. Destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
John 2.19 Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed and to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Matthew 20.18-19 For he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hand of man, and they will kill him. And after his kill, he will rise the third day. Mark 9, 31. Jesus Christ predicted the specific day of his death by crucifixion on the Jewish Passover. You know that after two days is Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered to be Crucified, Matthew 26, verse 2. So he predicted himself. Now, did Jesus Christ actually die? Many Old Testament prophecies foretold Christ's death and the circumstances and the details around his death. Isaiah 53, verse 6. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, verse 7, he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53, verse 9, his grave was made with the rich at his death. Psalm 22, verse 18, they divide my garment among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That is fulfilled in Matthew 27, verse 35. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Shall I say that again? Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. Not our Easter egg. <laughs> Not our rabbit chocolate. Is our Passover lamb. Not our Easter egg. So wrong. Yeah. We've departed. Departed completely. Okay, let me be wise. I'm closing that for now. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 46, not one of the Passover lamb's bones was to be broken. Not once. Exodus 12, 46. At the crucifixion on that special Passover day, none of Jesus' bones was broken. In fact, the soldier who intended to break his leg found him dead already. Mm. Passover lamb, not Easter egg. John 19, <laughs> Judas Iscariot delivered Jesus for 30 pieces of silver in Matthew 26, verse 15, fulfilling Zechariah 11, verse 12. All this... Okay, one more thing. One more thing. Do you 
when people entered in the tomb and they found two angels sitting there. One by the, where the head was, one by the feet there. This speaks of the fulfillment of Exodus 37, 6 to 9. The mercy seat with the two angels in the mercy seat. That's what you find in the resurrection. Christ, the mercy seat, with the two angels foretold in the Old Testament. The basis of salvation and redemption. Christ in his death. The mercy seat. The fulfillment of all the prophecies of the Old There's no salvation in the others. No one fulfilled that. Now, all these details, specific details, cannot be random coincidence. No. It's impossible. That one will predict his death, the circumstance of his death, and the day, and the manner. Why not by an accident? Why not by, you know, murder? Crucifixion, and the day, and then the resurrection day. That cannot be a random coincidence. These are a faithful fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. You see, dear brethren, the way to confuse the church is to try and bring confusion in the Old Testament prophecies. If people succeed to bring confusion, in the Old Testament prophecy, then we are lost. I've just told you, remember, when the Bereans were examining scripture, it was from the Old Testament. The Old and the New Testament are an integrated reality. In fact, it's been said that the New Testament is conceived, the Old Testament, the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. Integrated reality. The scripture we read earlier from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 to 4 says, For I deliver to you first that of which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, all according to the scripture. Now, if you think that all the above evidence makes sense to you, then the next question is, where did the confusion originated from? If you think, oh yeah, things make sense, that's correct, it makes sense. Maybe I can't Where did the confusion come from then? Second reading. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and we're reading from verse 1 to verse 15. That's Matthew 28, 1 to 15. Matthew 28, 1 to 15. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the two. Verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Verse 3. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the God shook for fear of him 
and because and, and became like dead men. Verse 5. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. Verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciple that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you into Galilee. Then you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Notice fear and joy. And ran to bring his disciple words. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren go to, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 11. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all things that had happened. Verse 11, verse 12. When they had assembled with the, with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them, his disciple came at night and stole, his, and stole him away while we slept. Verse 14. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. Verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Remember the question? The question was, where did the confusion originate? So it starts there. With the involvement of the authority, they put large, the Bible says, large sums of money to suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. And that is perpetuated until this day. Where did confusion originate from? It starts there. So, they took the money as they were instructed. Hmm, instruction. And this saying is commonly reported amongst the Jews until today. Now, whose work could that be? Ultimately, the enemy. The father of lies and the spirit of demons. They inspire those who seek to distort this historical, salvific, and sovereign act of God. See Revelation 16, 13 to 14. John saw this big three frogs, the spirit of demons, that goes to the king and the grave of this world to gather them against the Holy One. The devil and the spirit of demons are behind the distortion of the biblical truth. They inspire books, they inspire shows, they inspire everything to deny. Now, hmm, if la 
large sums of money continue to be spent to suppress the truth of God. How did we then receive the news of Christ's resurrection after 2,000 years? And many people are still receiving and believing in Christ's death and resurrection today. How come? Answer. It is by the Holy and Eternal Spirit of God. The third person in the Trinity, spreading and maintaining that eternal truth. I call him the forgotten person in the Godhead. Shame. The Holy Spirit is forgotten. People don't even need the Holy Spirit. They don't even, people used to gather together and pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be filled, to be renewed, to be clothed, to be strengthened in the Holy Spirit. People don't even feel the need anymore. That's where the defeat comes from. If the Holy Spirit is not there, guess who is there? Traditions, philosophy, cunning device, fable. Everyone has his own idea. Why should you teach me? I have my own understanding. That's how I've been doing it. The same as a body, the same in individual life. People don't even need to fill me with your spirit. Give me oil in my life. Keep me burning. People thought in those days. People prayed. People were desperate to be filled, to be renewed with the Holy Spirit. Human reasoning today. Who need the Holy Spirit? Why are the gift of the Holy Spirit too complicated? Well, we run into trouble with that kind of mindset. The Holy Spirit is not a spare tire, it's the engine. It's the stirring wheel to lead us. Because He will lead you in every truth. Do evangelism, evangelism, go to do evangelism. Christ said, die in Jerusalem until the promise is fulfilled. Then you can be my witness. Go to do evangelism without the Holy Spirit, without even praying, without even the need to be led by God. It is the Holy Spirit who will convince and convict people of righteousness, of sin, of judgment. The Holy Spirit. The Lord said, die, stay in Jerusalem until the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. Of the Father. Then you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is not a force. Impersonal. It's God in us. God walking through our lives. The church was in peace in the, in the time of the act of the apostles and the church was growing, was moving in the comfort, in the assistance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Where are we today? Where are we? People don't even think. That's the, that's the, the biggest strategy. Tragedy. People don't even feel the need. So, it is by the Holy Spirit, Holy and Eternal Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, spreading and maintaining that eternal truth. 
I call him the forgotten person of the Godhead in the church. Yet he is our helper who convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgments. John 16 verse 8. Unfortunately, worldly wisdom, man's idea and tradition of man are now ruling the church happily. No one is concerned about that. He's okay. Well, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in him, though he may die physically, shall not shall live. Our hope of resurrection is based and founded on Christ's resurrection. Third reading. First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. We're talking about the hope of resurrection, which is founded in Christ's resurrection. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse fifteen. We can even start from verse fourteen. Even from verse 13 to verse 18. Put things in the context. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 15. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Listen carefully. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Listen carefully, verse 18. Therefore comfort one another with this well, the blessed hope. The hope of resurrection is founded on the fact that Jesus rose again. And we are called to comfort one another, to strengthen one another. When we go through suffering, we, well, we need psychology, we need God. We need the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. When I hear you, oh Lord, I thank you very much because I happen to die. I thank you very much every day. Thank you very much. I haven't died. What does the Bible say? Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Whether I live, whether I die, is for Christ. I'm not saying you should not pray to live. Oh, okay, no, I want to live. No, I'm not I'm just saying, for me, to live or to die is the same thing. Because I will die when God wants me to die and to go. When what He called me to is finished, He said, Come. If we live, we live for Christ. Are you living for Christ? Is Christ the point of honor in your life? And how? 
how does that manifest? How does the newness of life, the love for Christ manifest? Hollywood love? Let love one another, let love one another, let love one another. The word love one another too. What unites that is the love for Christ and His truth. And then everything will grow from there. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that Christ died and rose again? Therefore do not... Have you noticed that? I do not want you to be ignorant so that you should not sorrow like those who have no hope. Oh, have you seen the way people mourn their dead? In particular, the, the sinners. The unbelievers. Lord, why me? Why you who? Who are you? Death is for everybody. It's an appointment. Why me? Why me? The believer does not cry like that. Here we can cry because Jesus Christ cried when his friend Lazarus died. But there is a why. Listen to what he said. So you should not sorrow like the unbelievers. A brother goes, is sorrowful, we sad because we used to see them, because we, we used because we used to hear our voices singing, preaching, they've gone up. But is fear and joy. They've gone before us. We will meet again in the Lord forever, never to depart again. But while we're still here, we serve, we love the Lord. Not to be distracted. But to be strengthened and comforted. If one falls asleep, oh, he's sad. But inside we know they've gone to be with the Lord. Yeah. Careful there. Because it seems to be sometimes uh, what I call soul laundering. You know, someone was a blasphemer, they never loved Jesus Christ, and then when they die, they bring the coffin there, and the priest comes and says, He's going to the better place, everybody say Amen, and we sing when we all see Jesus, etc. But he's a blasphemer. Never had regard for God at all. One day I asked a pastor, I said, Why do you do that? He's not a blasphemer, he's a blasphemer. He said, Well, I give just to appease the family a little bit, because if I say it's going to hell, it's too sorrowful. I say, yeah, but you're perpetuating error. Yeah. You know, because when someone dies, the people who attend the funeral, many of them are non-believers as well. So when you say that, then it doesn't matter. When I die, the priest is going to sprinkle a bit of water and deliver me to go to heaven. We're perpetuating disorder and lies. Yeah. Now, we live for, for Christ. We know each other. If one of us fell, we know with certainty that we'll find them. We know how they've lived. We know whom they've worshipped. We know how they lived. Who was the first in their life? We know that. And then we can see when we all see Jesus. When we reach the shining silver, soon our pilgrimage will cease. Soon our happy heart will quiver with the melody of peace. On that day. It comes now, it comes tomorrow. Praise the Lord. If your life is hidden in Christ in the Father. The hope of resurrection is rooted in the reality of Jesus' death and resurrection. There's no room for believing in reincarnation in the church. Hmm. Let me say these words to you in closing. 
When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and the time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the save of earth shall gather over the other shore, and the roar is called up yonder, I will be there. My dear listener, will you be there when the roar is called up yonder? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved because he is risen. Dear brethren, we're going to land and close this service with a song. Christ will lead us. Sing with your heart, sing with joy, be strengthened for the rest of the pilgrimage. And you will close in prayer.